Yeah, good morning. You're listening to Breakfast Bites, and I'm Felicia King. And today I have special guest, Don Montemayor, partner at Pure Cyber, who is a security-minded business consulting firm. Uh, Don's a fellow CISO, and we got into chat about uh, requirements, paradigms, and all kinds of fun things. And it was, uh, it, I never cease to be surprised by how many times I can get into a conversation with a fellow CISO who knows what they're talking about. And it's just, you know, it's like we've been friends for the last 30 years. <laughs> Are you talking about that first conversation that went three hours? <laughs> that one that's that like, oh, yeah, I totally understand that, you know. Oh, yes, I've had exactly the same experiences. You know, it feels like organizations have exactly the same problems all of the time everywhere i don't care what the industry is and yeah it just it seems um it seems silly <laughs> you know it seems silly that the problems that exist in business still exist and they're the same problems that they were experiencing back in the early 90s right yeah they do seem to hop over from industry to industry but i think it's also interesting when we look at the different industries they usually come up with different solutions and then we start to meld those together so that's kind of where it gets fun for me i think so uh in our in our last brainstorming session we were talking about uh, requirements and how essential those requirements are in order to get to a solution, you know, at, at a very quick brief example, if an organization is seeking to evaluate a SaaS platform for something, they need to be evaluating, does it have multi-factor authentication and what kind of multi-factor authentication does it have? Does it, can we enforce multi-factor authentication? Because, you know, simply saying, well, do you have multi-factor authentication? They don't even ask what kind of multi-factor authentication, right? You know, so there's there's this very rich experience that needs to exist, and it's this partnership I find between the business and and IT, and most right. specifically, I really want to draw a distinction here. It's not just any old IT. It's not IT tech support. It's not your IT manager. It's your CISO. So thoughts? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that that's well framed. So basically, you know, when we're looking at these requirements, you know, cybersecurity has their own requirements, but they are very basic until we start to talk about the business and what are they using the tool for and how do they want to use it and are they in the field and what devices and if we can't get our arms around that, we can't really put down the true cybersecurity requirements. So this is where I feel like we start to come in as business consultants, you know, as cybersecurity professionals, because, you know, a walkthrough will tell us a lot. And if the business doesn't know the direction they're going, in the example that we talked about right before we started the call, you know, sometimes a business doesn't even know why they're moving to a platform. They just know they need something new and they don't know why. So it really becomes an interesting conversation to get the business to ask their why to get that down and then make sure we're meshing that with the cybersecurity and the IT requirements and internal audit and, you know, all of the various departments. Yeah, well, let, let's circle back in on a uh, on an, a specific example for relatability purposes. So uh, I was recently uh talked discussed discussed with me um by a business leader about how they were unhappy with their time clock solution because their primary um disgruntlement about it was the cost profile and yeah sure 
it was expensive. <laughs> um, but their uh, their approach was not let me start with a set of functional requirements right. and then, you know, let's get together and determine, uh, you know, let's evaluate as a team what those potential other options are out there. And I think this is what I find to be the most frustrating part that is most difficult. It, it's the biggest impediment to us being able to help the business people actually get to something that that is supportable by IT, that meets the security requirements of the organization, meets the uptime requirements, business continuity requirements, uh, and also their functional business requirements is because their paradigm is so consumerific. You know, yeah. it's like it really lacks this operational maturity of saying like, okay, great, I, I totally understand you think this is expensive, but the solution is not to just go run out and you know buy some junk off of a website with no evaluation process, right? Right, and not even considering the 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 new functionality that they might be getting in that space, right? To really look at how they can move the business forward with looking at the new functions with a you know time clock SaaS solution. Well, and how often? Oh my goodness, this is a big this is a big deal. Like. How often is it that a business leader over here has no knowledge about what another business leader in that same organization <laughs> never, is? That never, right, never, never. <laughs> right. And and so if they would just simply engage the CISO and say, hey, I have this need. Are you aware of another business unit in the same organization that already has fulfilled that need? Now, even though business unit A, that's the current requester, they may have distinctly different requirements, but they right. might not. Right? right. They might not. And so mm -hmm. they don't need to be reinventing the wheel. And I think if they're looking for, I mean, ultimately what I end up typically finding is that every business leader out there wants to get to a solution as fast as possible. Right. So the fastest way to get there is to use something that's already vetted, tested, approved, et cetera. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love what you're saying about bringing the departments together. Cause I have found that also a very, uh, successful strategy because if you've got the backing and you've got the buy-in and people understand what you're doing and multiple departments are wanting to see it move forward, right? You get a lot of movement and momentum that way. Yes, I, I want to bring up a couple other interesting things that you know, in terms of requirements definitions. Uh, another one is like, what is really is what's the expected total cost of ownership of the thing, like. Mm. I really love the concept of a procurement justification statement. You know, it's, I, mm. I hate, I just don't think an executive management team or business leaders can be making informed decisions if the only piece of data that they have is that A costs this much and B costs that much. They should right. be using a much more sophisticated, you know, assessment process other than just strictly acquisition cost, right? And I, yeah. conversation on the last, um, the last Breakfast Bites with Laura Conrad, she brought up this whole element of she's observing that a lot of organizations are going strictly to kind of rental SaaS OPEX yeah. models yeah. just simply because that's the only way that they feel like they can wrap their arms around the actual cost structure of right. something. You know, right. So it, it's like if internal organization on, I mean, and there's a lot you can't SaaSify, right? <laughs> um, they they have to operationally mature, improve their thing. And I feel like uh, organizations can just drive 
their requirements and transparency, their governance, accountability, transparency so much better if they would say, hey, we're not going to procure anything unless, you know, the CISO signed off on it, unless we have a procurement justification statement for it. And we have an idea about how it's going to be supported and what the total cost of ownership is. So thoughts. Right. Yeah. And to really talk about um, another point is what are those requirements as they relate to offboarding, which is something you and I have spoke about as well. I mean, that is so huge because when we look at these cloud solutions, they are quick. They, um, you know, they, they tell strong security, but we're not able to assess them. There's no right to audit clause. There might be, you know, a SAS report that we can look at, but you know, whether that matches the actual um, services that we're going to be getting from them, you know, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. So I think that that, that point um, about making sure that the exit strategy and that entire process of offboarding is considered as a requirement to make sure that, that the organization can, can get their data back. Bingo. <laughs> Bingo. Yeah. Excellent recap. That is absolutely, I mean, it's the first thing I do whenever I'm looking at something is I say, how do I get off of this? <laughs> exactly. It's so important. It's so important, especially considering the trust that is going into these decisions because we can't actually validate a lot of it. And that's one of the things that we focus on at Pure Cyber is really looking at that validation piece. And so that's why I'm so passionate about it because they can say, hey, here's the 17 bells and whistles you're going to get, you know, or here's the 10 core functionality, here's the seven bells and whistles, you know, and that's what the sales team says. But unless we're actually validating that down to the configuration level in the specific environment that it was implemented, what do we really know? So it, it just becomes a, um, you know, a very detailed conversation to make sure that we are looking at apples to apples here, that we know what we have purchased and that that can be validated. And those those requirements can even be put in the contract to say, listen, you sold me, you know, these 17 things, but yet we're only seeing 12 that's implemented in our environment. Absolutely. Um, all right. Fantastic. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I think that that contract thing is essential. I think yeah. we have to, there There needs to be that procurement policy needs to be, what is our vendor risk management policy? How are we evaluating counterparty risk? Uh, w before you ever procure, you need to have this, you know, third-party information security risk management program, right? So I don't know anybody who runs that program without their CISO. And uh, just reiterate, all this stuff has got to be in the contract. The thing that I find most of the time is not in a contract uh, is adequate levels of detail. You know, there's it's like there's all kinds of things that are aspirational that are in this contract. <laughs> right. And the core things are totally missing. It's like, <laughs> right. you know, and, and it's like if you OK, I, I give you like uh, one. I'll give you two good examples. So one is where you are going to have, let's say, uh, an electronic data interchange uh, via API or something. But in your contract, there's no provision in there that creates an obligation and a responsibility on the behalf of the SaaS provider to, to have an effective, continuous vulnerability assessment 
process Mm -hmm. and to have a closure of those vulnerabilities within a specified time frame. 9% of the time, that's not in the contract anywhere. And then when you confront these yokels about it after the fact, they're like, well, we don't have to do that. That's not in the contract, you know? Right, Um, right. And I've seen contracts where uh, they didn't have in there that... Uh, that made multi-factor authentication was actually going to be enforced. And there was no analysis mm. about the type of multi-factor authentication, you know? So I feel like there is such a decision-making failure process. And I do mean that word and I use it strongly. The word is failure. And it's a failure in decision-making because the paradigm that's being utilized in order to evaluate things is just grossly insufficient. Yeah. Um, yeah, so- I, I would I would agree with that. And, you know, it's not just the, the the cloud versus on-prem conversation, but it, you know, I continue to to beat the drum of bringing those uh, shareholders and, and stakeholders in because, you know, even if it's something that's very cybersecurity focused, we, we may not be thinking about the effects of, you know, when a certain technology goes out into the field, right? Or even if it's IT specific solution, you know, that's only going to be used, um, you know, by IT, you know, what are the effects and how are other people going to interact with that? Even like a ticketing system, right? Other, we have lots of uh, stakeholders and folks that are going to be using that, not just on the IT side. So do we not want to see the interactions from the other departments when they have to create a ticket, right? So that's just an example of saying, let me cast the net wider because if I can get people that understand what I'm trying to do, that I'm actually you know, creating partnerships and saying, listen, this may be for IT, but we're actually trying to help you guys you know, be more efficient. And you start to get that buy-in of, oh, you know, they're actually doing this for us too, right? And then it becomes a group project. And it's not like, here, let me shove this down your throat. And I'm trying to, you know, I've got a, you know, I know your process used to be this and now it's that. And, um, you know, when we really look at the bigger picture, we've saved time, we've saved, you know, effort. But yeah, did, there was a learning curve and it was kind of a pain and we had to do this project. But if they can see that, outcome and they can see, you know, their life a little bit better than, you know, they're on the rah-rah team, right? Yeah. You're just recapped, you know, very well, uh, something that I encounter constantly where I'm always pushing this concept of the resource owner and the shared responsibility model and that it has to be this business partnership, right? It cannot be the us versus them mentality. And so- IT has to seek to understand what the challenges and problems are of the business unit, but simultaneously the business units have to respect the standards of IT. So this just recently happened where I had done some evaluations of some, um, basically the infrastructure of some facilities. And I made these recommendations of like, okay, these are the things that need to be addressed. And I said, and this is the plan for how to address them. The first thing that came back was, well, we don't want to spend the money. <laughs> I'm like, and, and my response was, well, you haven't spent any money in the last seven years. <laughs> oh. So, so here's the deal. You can, you can choose to do nothing as the business unit. You can choose to do nothing, but the next time you have a SEV one outage, 
IT is not going to have a whole heck of a lot of sympathy for that. And you don't know, you no longer have the right to say that IT is not doing their job because when IT came to you and said, we need you to work with us in a granular pace to get these things taken care of. And you said, no, I don't want to spend the money. Then you're fundamentally disallowing IT getting you into a supportable state, right? So to me, this pivots to exactly the requirements. If an organization wants to be, to be able to have operations, you know, they need uptime, they need systems to be reliable. They have to be supportable. Right. And, you know, and any of these things are, it's a, it's change management. Right. The effective change management that I see is in that business partnership you articulated, which is. Right. You know, we have to define who's the resource owner. It's almost always going to be the business people. Yeah. But they can't, they can't fix it. They can't implement it themselves. It's got to right. be a business partnership. So what yep. are your thoughts about that? Yep. Yeah, I agree. And it really, uh, what I've also found effective, just to touch on uh, what you said a, a minute ago about saying, listen, the next time you have a sub one in, and then really elaborating on that and putting it in what I call business language. And, you know, as an example, let's say it's, it's an event-based company. Do you understand that if we don't do A, B, and C by your next event, you may have this happen and you may have your server go down and you may not be able to collect revenue at that event. And so it's like putting it in that language that I really got a lot of movement that way for them to be like, oh, I didn't realize it was that important. I didn't realize it would have that impact. And so that really got them on board with saying, okay, what is, what is the timeline and what do we need to do? You know. do, do you actually find that there are any organizations out there that are not event-based? I mean, I, I guess- right. Uh, I, I would love to hear, you know, why don't you elucidate a little bit more on like what your definition of an event-based company is. And then, cause I'm, my perception is that, gee, everybody's got hot deadlines. Right. Right. Well, yeah. So like an e-commerce company, you know, they, they're, they're always selling online, right. Versus having a large uh, revenue come in from a certain day that might be forecasted out a little bit. Okay. So we've got a little bit to play with because our major revenue stream is 45, 90 days out, right. Versus e-commerce, which like you're saying is, is right, right now, every single day, we've got that e-commerce, we've got that revenue coming in. And so the faster we get these things plugged, the sooner we mitigate that risk of losing that revenue based on keeping the vulnerability out there. You know, payroll is an event too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Good organization, one. You know, every organization I've ever worked with is like, no, we do on Wednesdays. No changes on <laughs> Wednesdays. You know, I mean, they get, like, like it's live or die by payroll. <laughs> yeah. Payroll is mega important. And, and so, I mean, I feel like there's the whole revenue side of the event based, mm -hmm. but then there's the whole governmental compliance piece. And I mean, clearly, if you don't meet payroll, you don't have people who show up for work the next day, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it depends on where that vulnerability is coming from. So if it's just client side and that revenue based stream versus what you're talking about more infrastructure side where it's going to affect the whole company or potentially the payroll systems. Yeah, that's a, a very different um, delineation. And I totally agree with you. So I, I've got another example for you that, and I want your input on this, that, that, uh, you know, seems, 
to you and I, this is like the most egregiously stupid example of all time, but I'm going to throw it out there because this was a completely real world thing that happened. And I always use real world examples. So there was a time when I was looking at a network layer security configuration that we were just stepping into and taking over from um, a another IT company. And I looked at it and I saw that the the HVAC system, now this was for a large commercial facility, probably in the realm of like 70,000 square feet. You know, I mean, not small, right? Um, they actually had two major HVAC systems. And the HVAC system was of course networked, you know, so that it could have remote support from the HVAC vendor and also the facilities maintenance personnel could do certain things. Well, the former IT had set it up so that any external could access the port 80 web management interface mm -hmm. for the HVAC system. And this was right after the time frame where um, we were reading about Chinese hackers were coming in and were, were hacking that. And then they would crank up the motor rates and cause building fires. So I brought this up to, I just basically asked a very passive question to the facilities manager who legitimately needs to access this? You know, would you please, you know, fill me in on who needs to legitimately access this? He absolutely lost his biscuits on an emotional level and was so concerned about himself being inconvenienced that he couldn't access it from anywhere on the face of the planet from his smartphone that we were never allowed to make the change. Now, I guess my position on this is that he was the resource owner. However, being the resource owner, he also owns the liability. Right. The, the problem that I continue to see is that that's not the paradigm that the vast majority of executive management holds in their environments. They seem to think that security is an IT problem. <laughs> and my position is that if, if that system and the security of that system is my problem, then I'm the resource owner. And I will block down the access to it and you won't like it. <laughs> right. So, so come to the table and have a discussion with me and let's solve this problem as a team. Tell me yeah. who actually needs to legitimately access it. So right. uh, I know that you faced exactly similar problems to that. How do you go about helping um, change that paradigm in that environment so that the executive management team tells that facility manager that they need to make the time to take care of a problem like that? Um, well, really what I've seen is, you know, cybersecurity stepping up in the level of voice that they have. Like we were, what we were talking about as far as, you know, in the C-suite. And so what I have seen is this shift of you know, when when we first started getting a C after our name, <laughs> you know, it was, um, you know, let's hand all the responsibility over to the CISO. And if there's a breach, it's their problem. And there was a mass exodus. Do you remember? That? <laughs> it was yep. a mass exodus of folks that first took that seat. They're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You know, let me let me back up. And then there's some maturity happened and we all, you know, collectively realized, wait, that's not the case. It's what you were saying as far as, listen, this is everybody's responsibility. If we get hacked, it's the entire board. It's the executive management. We're all on the hook. 
cybersecurity is simply, again, that business consultant that's coming in to say, oh, if that's how you want to do business, let me help you secure it. And so, I, you know, the person that preceded me in a, one role in particular I'm thinking of was a what they called a no, no man, right? No, 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 no. Always saying no. Well, I don't I don't say no because it's not my it's not my place to say no. It's like, let's how, you know, how can we do that? And that's when I first started realizing this opportunity to lean in and get to know the business and figure out their goals and dreams and aspirations and partner with them to figure out how to do it. So it might be, okay, this is the direction that we want to go. Um, you know, let, let's figure that out. And so in that blossoming relationship, it's just really starts to be understood that, you know, this is a, this is a shared responsibility, right? This is, this is shared across, you know, whoever's touching that asset. And in general, because it's, you know, we, you know, from an organization standpoint, it's just generally a shared model that we really do have to make sure that we understand how these systems are, are integrated with each other, whose systems are touching, who's right. Doing like a system integration map is something that I, I, I love really that. love to do, I love you know, that. and then you start to tie the business processes on top of that system integration map and you go, Oh, now I see what's happening here, you know, and start securing from that layer. So I, that's fantastic. I mean, you, you know, you're driving uh, accountability, governance, and transparency through, you know, like business process modeling, notation, documentation. I mean, just, yes. oh my goodness. Yes. Um, yes. See, it's like <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> it's, like, it's like we've known each other for 30 years, you know? <laughs> I made some notes while you were talking about that. And I love the fact that you said that cybersecurity is a business consultant and that, mm -hmm. you know, we generally don't do no. I completely agree. There are some things that there are some hard no's on and I need the business to respect when no is no. Like, mm -hmm. oh, our, well, let's just disable multi-factor authentication. No. Um, <laughs> right. Well, I right. want the end users to have admin access to their PCs. No. Right. You know, I want Right. I agree. I yeah. Those are more cyber, those are more controls and standards, but more along the lines of, hey, I want to go in this direction with the business. Hey, let's figure out what controls yes. we need to put on that to right. allow you to go in that direction with the business. So yeah, yeah or, for sure, for sure there are some, you know, lines in the sand as far as the what those controls are. Yeah. Yeah. And so I mean, I, I'll have somebody who will be like, well, we have this need. And I'm like, well, okay, so then just use SharePoint. You know, no, I want to do it with a USB flash drive. And the answer is no, <laughs> you know, because you, you know, because you can't, you know, the, the challenges of the USB flash drive introduce entirely too much unmitigatable risk. And there are completely legitimate, very easy to use, uh, no frustration, way more than convenient business process alternatives that are uh, secure and better just in every shape, size and flavor of a way to think about it. You know, so it's like, the the biggest problem that I encounter is I'm just going to put it in one word. It's called intransigence, absolute unwillingness mm. to think about potentially doing it a different way. Right. So right. You, know, you were talking about business consultancy and how um, in that business consulting approach. Uh, we are ideating, we, you know, we're doing, we're going through an ideation process and right. saying, well, how about A, how about B, why don't you yeah. try both, see which one works best for you, because they're both 
acceptable. When I struggle is when I'm dealing with a brick wall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Uh, and there's cost associated with those compensating controls, right? So we're giving options that are like, hey, this is easy. We can secure it without throwing money at it. B is like, okay, if you really can't do that, maybe we can do this and we can make sure we're monitoring this or that, you know? And then, so I've done that before too, is show the costs and say, okay, that's fine. We can, if you really want to do C, but here's what it's going to cost in, in compensating controls. Are you willing to put that in your budget or do you maybe want to go back to A or maybe B? <laughs> Oh, you know, you just brought this full circle because that is part of establishing an appropriate requirements definition with a total cost of ownership and a yes. procurement justification statement. Yes. We have yes. got to be making intelligent decisions. I see so much toxicity in organizations where this kind of um, transparent process that you and I advocate was not used. You know, and then you got somebody over here later on is like, I'm not going to use that. I didn't agree to that. You know, and and the other portion of that is uh, business leaders don't get to vote on everything. This is not a democracy. It's like at the point in time, there's a standard. That's the standard. You know, now you need to act in accordance with the company policies on that. So give us the last 30 seconds of your your recap here. On the last piece? Oh, just, you know, get, leave, leave us with, leave us with a tidbit here from the, the sage advice from Dawn. Oh, sure. I would say partnership, 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 you know, really leading with love um, and leading with the idea that we want to be helpful and, you know, stepping forward together and, you know, helping the business be stronger in cybersecurity, but also moving the ball forward in the business, doing that very cohesively. Fantastic. Well, thank you for your time, Dawn. It's been a pleasure as always.